Welcome to the July 26th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have the NFC East. We are rolling on with our division betting previews. We're also going to talk a little bit about the contracts that uh, have been signed, the extensions, I should say. Justin Herbert uh, getting a little bit of a little bit of cash in the pocket. Not quite, not quite Saudi money, but uh, we'll do some math for you. We're going to talk a little, maybe Andrew Thomas uh, as well, uh, and. Brad just broke some some news, so we'll talk about that too. It'll be a good time. Um, no Judah today. He's a Giants fan. He couldn't he couldn't bear to deal with the the rhetoric that's going to be on the show today. So you know it's going to be good. Let's rock. Bradley breaking news. Just another day in the biz, you know? Uh, <laughs> tell, us about it. tell us about it. Yeah. So I just posted on pff.com. So I guess if you're listening to this later on or tomorrow, check it out. But uh, we get the exclusive breakdown of the Cole Comet contract. So every detail in there, every single salary and the cap hits and all that, uh, you can find over at, over the, uh, over at PFF. Um, yeah. It's a big day. Like you said, a lot of news coming in. No one's quite getting, uh, you know, the money that Jalen Brown or the Saudis are getting these days, but uh, you know, some, some big deals coming through nonetheless. The, you know, every great journey starts with a single step. And I feel like Colk met, you know, is that, is that step for us this year? I want to know this Brad, because I bet people would be interested in this. Like, why is it that Schefter Rappaport, um, basically those two guys. I mean, there's a couple others that kind of break news, but like what does the inner workings of the breaking news world look like? It feels like it's, you know, after Russia, like the place where there's the most entrenched (laughs) leadership in the world. What's, what's, how does that work? Yeah. I think the biggest reason why you see a small collection of people, those two, you mentioned, you know, Pelissero, Garofalo, Fowler, and, and, and kind of, you know, maybe a few other names get involved is because, it's a feedback loop, right? So it's a it's a give and yeah, it's a give and a take. Uh, and those guys will find out. I'm I'm assuming, uh, you know, details on other negotiations going on to maybe feed intel to an agent. Say, hey, this guy might get this. So keep that in mind when you're working through your deal. Or hey, this is happening. This is happening, etc. So you're only going to get if you give. And if you're able to provide information that they can leverage to their benefit, then they're going to say, all right, cool. Well, thank you for that. Here's now this information. You can go tweet it out to your 10 million followers. I'm sure that's also a a part of it as well. I don't think my 27K strong uh, has quite the reach of of Adam Schefter. But those are the two big reasons why they get all the deals because they, they provide a benefit. It's not just they're not random people, random figureheads. They provide as much of a benefit as they get in return. That's, I think that's the piece that probably goes unnoticed piece that I didn't really know. And I didn't understand. Um, so are you saying the pathway, I mean, so who's a guy that's recently come up or, or gal that has recently come up in the kind of breaking news space and like, what? like is Shams the most recent guy? Oh, I mean, I guess you could even say Jordan Schultz too. you know, to stick with NFL as well. Sean's definitely a, a new riser. Uh, he is 29 years old. He graduated high school in 2012. I can tell you a whole lot about Shams. Uh, but uh, Jordan Schultz, uh, I, I think his, his thing is he's through you know, leverages media connections and all that to know a lot of the players. Right. So 
obviously you can talk to agents, you can talk to teams. You also can go straight to the source and, and just talk with the actual players themselves, which I think is what he does. You know, we don't really know. He, he doesn't say who your source is, but he's first on a lot of stuff. And I'm not sure how he's beating, you know, the Schefter's and reports of the world. I'm guessing it's because he's going straight to the source. That's actually a really good take, right? Like right now, everyone thinks about it as going through the, the agents, but in a world where the players are controlling more and more of the narrative, there's probably also more and more players that don't have agents, right? So maybe that becomes more of a thing. Soon enough, ChatGPT will just be the agent uh, for players anyway, so you won't need them. Um, and uh, you know that that makes a lot of a lot of sense. Um, okay, let's let's get into it here. There's some news. Uh, obviously about Justin Herbert and the ridiculous deal that he got. So as I understand it, it's not quite Deshaun Watson guarantee, but the first year money is more money than anyone else has gotten. What's sort of the, the takeaways from the deal? Yeah, 218 million total guaranteed. So getting close to that Deshaun Watson 230 number. Uh, obviously, it's out of a total of 262 and a half. So not fully guaranteed like Watson. But the big number you mentioned is the first year cash flow of $100 million. Lamar Jackson set the record at $80 million a couple months ago. And, you know, Herbert gets 25% more than that in the next big quarterback deal. A truly staggering, massive number for first year new money cash flow. Um, it, it's going to make things interesting for Burrow. I think Burrow might get the biggest signing bonus in NFL history, which is also a record set by Lamar Jackson, about $72.5 million. But yeah, that's the big takeaway. But also, they cleared some cap for 2024. We've talked about their terrible cap situation next year. He's under contract for seven years. Um, and, and as good of a deal as I think it can be viewed in the team in a lot of ways, the, the old thing always comes back to they couldn't win a playoff game with a rookie contract, Justin Herbert. Can they win playoff games and Super Bowls okay. with the richest player in the NFL, Justin Herbert, as awesome as we all think he is? It's, it's pretty clear from our last podcast. But, you know, that now things get really interesting in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, by the way, last podcast, we did the kind of Herbert Burrow debate. Um, where did you land on it, Brad? Uh, Burrow for now. Yeah. Yeah, that that's where I landed too, man. But it is a it is a tough one. Like if you had to pick one of these guys to start with, they're they're definitely right there. And I, I don't think you can fault anyone for actually going either way. I think some people would would say you're crazy if you don't take Burrow. I think you're crazy if you think that that is the case, just based on you know, kind of observation of the the two situations, but you bring up a really good point, and we touched on this in in a little bit more detail, which was look at the supporting cast, and his supporting cast has not been as good as Burroughs from a receiving standpoint. I think this year they have a much better offensive line. You know, if Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams stay healthy and Quentin Johnson is decent, it could be as good as Burroughs receivers. But this now really comes down like, what are the ramifications? in terms of that supporting cast. So where what does this mean for Keenan Allen? What does this mean for Mike Williams? Um, if they try and keep those guys around, what does that mean for the rest of the team? And then kind of spinning it forward to the Burrow situation, how do you expect, if at all, Burrow's contract to be different? He had that quote saying, hey, I think all these guys are going to be fine. We're going to figure out a way, kind of paraphrasing there. Um, but do you see something different happening in Cincinnati that allows them to keep that core more intact? 
Yeah, what's super interesting here is with Herbert, the guys that were all getting paid are older than him. Their contracts are kind of nearing the end. And, and you know, not just the cap hits and all that, but also the actual cash getting paid out. You're not giving these big upfront signing bonuses. Obviously, you get more cash early on, and then it kind of trickles down. Maybe you have a big salary at the end. It's, you know, kind of a cuttable, non-guaranteed thing. So for, for the Chargers at first, we've talked about it before, but Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Khalil Mack, all three could not be Chargers in 2024. I think that is a real possibility and then you have to replace you know two good receivers and a, and a good second edge rusher opposite of Joey Bosa so that will be interesting there going forward the inverse with the Bengals is obviously T Higgins was in Joe Burrow's draft class and Jamar Chase was the year after I'm sure they can find a way to figure it out if they really really want to what I think will be interesting in Cincinnati is if they do get those guys done let's say just T and Joe for now I don't think you see DJ Reader get extended. I don't think you see Shadobi Awuzie get extended, you know, and so on and so forth. And so I think they're more interesting. The Chargers, in my opinion, they got to figure out the offensive supporting cast. And Cincy, look, that defense has been very, very important to their recent success. Uh, you know, the, the defense has actually scored more fourth quarter touchdowns in the playoffs than Joe Burrow has so far in his career. It's an important unit. And I think you're going to start losing pieces, uh, you know, as soon as next year. I mean, Jamar Chase, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, maybe the two best receivers in the NFL right now. I think that's, uh, I think debating that, you maybe could, Devontae Adams, but I think going forward, you're taking one of those two guys. So those guys are setting the market. I think that's also interesting, right? Because Jefferson will set the market the year before Chase will set the market. So, you know, and, and Jefferson, with how good he's been, is going to set an incredibly high mark. And then you're going to get Chase on, on top of it. Now, what I think is really interesting, and here's the dynamic that I keep wondering if it will happen. We really have not seen this since like what Brady and the Patriots did, I think, which is like, do you see a group that that sees that they can win, that loves winning that much, that goes, you know what? Like, I'll let my guy in Minnesota have the bigger contract. I'm going to be playing for Super Bowls. You know, Joe Burrow, I'll let the guy in LA have the bigger contract. I'm going to be playing for Super Bowls. Is that, are we like, is that a total pipe dream? Is that crazy? Because to me, it seems very like, when is the last time that you had, you know, the the highest paid quarterback and highest paid receiver? And it actually like lasted, right? I mean, like that didn't even last in Green Bay for a year, right? Right. And Atlanta, you know, if they didn't blow a 28 to three lead, they, they would have Ryan was up there. He may not have been first, but he was right. definitely, in, you know, in, in the top of the market there. And then, of course, Julio Jones, I think, was first at that time, um, you know, and they could have pulled it off. But here's the thing. And of course, look, agents do work for the players. You know, they are the ones that are that are doing their bidding. If a player says, hey, you must do this, they're going to do it. But at the end of the day, I think the reason why you don't see that as often is probably because the agents say, and I'm not saying they're selfish or anything like that. I think it's not just, hey, I want money in my pocket. I think the narrative is more so you have to think of the guys coming up behind you. And if, if all these players start doing this, then it just gives more and more and more leverage to these owners. And they're billionaires. Mm. They don't really need any more leverage. They already have a ton. But, hey, Jamar and, and T and Joe, the way they've spoken, if there's ever been a trio to do it, they, they've been saying it. We'll see if they actually do it. Yeah, especially Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. They, I mean, they were teammates in college, obviously. I think it's clear. It's so funny to think about uh, how many people wanted the Bengals to select Panay Sewell in that draft. Um, and and obviously, Joe, I mean, I think had something to do with the fact that they selected Jamar Chase. So the closeness there is interesting. 
I wonder if you can do it to the extent where they can keep more of that of that nucleus together. I think the interesting piece you mentioned, like the power to the owners, and and that's a good kind of you know angle on it. I think it's an interesting power to the players in that the NFL is kind of weird, Brad, in that you know if you're a star quarterback, you, you still got to win, right? If you're a receiver a star receiver, like, and you're never making the playoffs, like how many of those guys actually become household names? I mean, like Julio Jones, is a good example. Julio Jones is absolute insane, right? Calvin Johnson is maybe the only guy that's really came, come close to transcending it. We don't see Calvin Johnson anywhere, right? Like Jerry Rice is that big name. He won Super Bowls, right? I, I just, I, it's interesting. Like, could you make a case? Yeah. If I take a few less million dollars here, I can become such a more marketable player and there's actually so much more money to be made out there you know in the real world with that marketability I mean, look at what you know players are doing after their career now i just think it's an interesting calculus to uh, calculation to make because we're hearing you know we're talking about this with running backs how you know short the timeline is playing careers even for guys that play longer than running backs do is still short right unless you're a quarterback you're mid-30s and you're you're kind of you know you're cooked at that point so it's like what, what can you do to extend that? I, I just think it's an interesting thing to, to talk about. Marketing angle is super interesting. Obviously, you said quarterbacks and all that. You're probably going to get it regardless. But like if you're uh, Justin Jefferson, for example, like the gritty, uh, he's one of the most marketable players in the entire NFL. He probably does more commercials than anyone that's been in Minnesota in, in a very long time. So you got to make those arguments. I would say the last piece too, we always have this thing where we say, okay, if they take less, they can add more talent. The owner still has to do it, right? The, like the, yeah, they, yeah. they don't get a guarantee. Hey, if if you take less money, we're gonna go sign this guy to play defense, yeah. or you know, like, and that's the big thing is how do you ensure they actually follow up on their word and say, you know what, because you took less, we're now gonna spend the difference on somebody else. They might not actually pull through on that. Yeah, that's a that's a super point. All right, that was uh, that was contract corner, um, but I cannot let you, uh, I cannot let you get out of this segment without. Brad Stradamus, okay? You've been living under a rock. You may not have noticed that Brad has basically pegged every single contract that's been signed on the nose. Um, and so I'm going to give you a chance to get one wrong here with Joe Burrow. I, I, I'm guessing this is imminent. Give us your projection, your prediction on what Joe Burrow ends up getting. I think he's going to get five years, $265 million, which would be $53 million per year. Uh, I think you should should have picked a different guy if you wanted me to be way off. I don't think I will be. Um, so I, I think that's going to be the base value. Wait, go ahead. <laughs> I was I was saying that to make, to make sure that you were going to be right. Gotcha. God, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feet to the fire and, and all that. But yeah, so I think it's going to be an incremental raise, right? Herbert only got half a million more than than Hertz or than Lamar. So I think Burrow will take half a million more just to become the highest paid. The fascinating thing is going to be the Bengals. Are they going to guarantee money in 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 salary? It's something they do not do. Usually, their only guaranteed money is signing bonus and nothing else. I think we'll see him get one or two years of guaranteed salary, but not you know three, four years out like Justin Herbert. He, Herbert also had these massive option bonuses that you know Rogers had, etc. So anyway, the prediction is five two sixty five. We'll, we'll we'll figure out the details later. Okay. Um, any chance that he could do something similar to what Mahomes did? You know, that Mahomes contract I think looks pretty good in hindsight and sounded amazing when it was announced right but like ha has allowed the chiefs i think some flexibility 
So that's the thing is the way they were able to pull that off is by guaranteeing money further out than anyone ever, right? So it's saying, okay, you're not going to get good cash up front. And in return, you're going to have assurances and be protected in perpetuity, essentially. Whereas the Bengals, uh, that's the, the, the crazy thing is like, it would behoove the Bengals to do the same thing, but because they don't guarantee future money, they're going to have to do the reverse and give a gigantic signing bonus, massive money up front because Burrow's going to say, you could cut me or I can get hurt or whatever down the road. And because there's no guaranteed money, I need a lot of money now to invest in, et cetera. So yeah, I, I don't think so, but, and it's tough because it, it works against them. Yeah. Maybe this is a, all, all good things. All things change at some point. This might be a good time for them to do it. All right. We're going to get to the NFC uh, East before we do uh, want to remind everybody that we're going to be talking about some bets here. because This is a betting podcast and a good place to go place those bets. DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, there are no games to bet on from a football perspective, but you can still get involved in football with best ball at DraftKings, the best ball millionaire contest, which is a fantastic way to get yourself ready for your redraft leagues, your, your normal fantasy leagues, um, and to get a little skin in the game. It's the largest best ball contest ever. There's $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. You sign up with promo code PFF right now, and you will get your first um, uh, contest entry back in DraftKings dollars, then you can bet those on the things that we're talking about on this podcast. And the best part about best ball is you don't have to pick up players. You don't have to trade players. You don't add or, you know, none of that garbage. You don't have to decide who to start and who to sit because all it does is play the top scores each week. So it's truly a test of how good you are at drafting. It's awesome. Um, so go do the DraftKings best ball millionaire contest on DraftKings, download the app or go to the website today, use promo code PFF and get your first uh, entry back in DraftKings dollars, opt-in required with $10 fee. If you are a gambler and have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bonus issue in 10 DK dollars. As I mentioned, agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. This ends 8-9-23. Not a lot of time left, so go make it happen. The NFC East. One of the more interesting divisions, this was only a few years ago that this division was a laughing stock. Just absolutely atrocious that now belongs to the nfc south um but a very compelling and interesting division the eagles at the top minus 135 implied probability 57 percent cowboys at plus 190 right now on DraftKings, that is implied probability of 34 percent new york football giants 11 percent implied probability at plus 850 and the washington commanders judas washington commanders 16 to 1 or six percent implied win probability for the division okay brad as we start with all of these which price here is the most off in other words which is the one that if you had to bet you are betting for me it's the dallas cowboys at nearly two to one i think this is a toss-up division between the two of those teams i think them in philadelphia should be close to the same odds i, I get the narrative on philly i get they had a good offseason coming off a great year I just, I am extremely, extremely bullish on Dallas. They've made a bunch of good moves this offseason, trading for Brandon Cooks, trading for Stephon Gilmore, Michael Gallup, a year move from an ACL. They've drafted pretty well the last couple of years, and some of those guys haven't even played a ton, but have shown good flashes. I am, I am, I, I might, I might bet on the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC. I hate, I hate agreeing with you. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really going to try hard to play like poke holes. It's not very hard to see why this bet will not win, which is it's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the plus side is we're not betting them to win the Super Bowl, right? We know that has no shot of happening. Um, but the the win the division, I think, is really compelling. 
on paper. What, let me ask you this. So I agree with you hundred percent. I think on paper, this should be a toss up division. Maybe you give the Eagles a little bit of an edge just because they actually did it last year, but you consider all the things that went right last year. And the biggest thing that went right last year for this Philadelphia Eagles is their schedule, man. Go look at that schedule. It was such a piece of cake and they really had some good, um, you know, injury uh, luck, right? No one got super injured. They got Lane Johnson back when they needed him. Their offensive line pretty much stayed intact unless I'm, you know, forgetting something massive. They didn't have any huge defensive injuries. Um, and, and their receivers, you know, AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith now AJ Brown, I think missed a little bit of time, but it really wasn't that much. Um, and then you go look at the Dallas Cowboys and the pieces that they added. So it makes sense. Let me tell you what my biggest concern is. And I'm curious if this is yours as well. The biggest concern is the sideline to me because there are going to be close games that they're going to, these teams are going to have to win, notably against each other to win this division. I just have so much more faith in Nick Sirianni than I do in Mike McCarthy. And I honestly think that would be like the reason not to make this bet because you know they're going to have to win, what, 10, 11 games. They're going to have to beat the Eagles at least once, probably twice, um, to sew that up. And that honestly is the biggest concern. It's a completely fair concern. It is my number one concern as well. And I think the thing here is, I think what they should do is if Mike McCarthy's back calling plays, which that I think is overblown, that people kind of shit on him in that regard. He's clearly not a terrible offensive mind. He needs to give someone else game management and clock management and timeout management and fourth down decision duties. I don't know if he's willing to do that. There are some people in the building there that do have titles that have game management in them. Um, and, and they have, obviously, they brought John Park over from the Indianapolis Colts. They've signed Sarah Malapal from the Baltimore Ravens. They've been poaching a lot of very, very smart people from a lot of different clubs. Um, I would hope it's for a reason, right? I, I would hope they're they're doing that because they want to change how they approach things, you know, not run a QB sneak on uh, four, uh, whatever against the, the Niners in the playoffs two years ago, not do whatever the abomination that Zeke Elliott was uh, getting a direct snap and getting blown up, um, which is now, I guess, his last play as a Cowboy. Like, that is the big thing for me. If he does hand off those duties to someone else or has someone in the headset that he actually defers to, it addresses my biggest concern. By the way, I think Zeke plays for the Cowboys this year. Yeah, I, I do too. That's my take. Um, there's no way they're rolling into the season with only Tony Pollard coming off injury. Like, there's just no way. There's no way. Yeah, I agree. And Zeke's not playing for anybody else. So you can you can lock that one up. I'm even, like, <laughs> fading. I'm already fading Tony Pollard in fantasy drafts uh, because of that, like, reason. So um, you heard it. Probably not here first. I'm sure someone else has said it. But, like, let me be the, let me be the, the one to warn you here. Um Okay, the flip side of this, and by the way, like John Park, phenomenal. He did a great job with the Colts, comes over there and hires some really smart people. Um, I think what's interesting, and and I've, you know, you've heard Frank Reich talk about this. I've heard, you know, John and, and other members of the Colts talk about this as well, which was the reason that they loved working for the Colts so much was the way that Frank Reich welcomed their opinion and their work into his process. So like we know that that's not, but there are many decision makers, a lot of them on the kind of team, uh, you know, development side, roster building side. That's one of the reasons that often analytics, you know, is kind of bolstered and hired. So like to say that those decisions 
on the field are going to be influenced, I think is a bit of a stretch to be perfectly yeah. honest, especially having seen what Mike McCarthy's done in the past. I always think people can, can grow and improve. If we get an inkling of that in some way, shape or form, I do think that really alleviates a, a huge concern. I, I really agree with you. So here's my other concern. Let's talk about the quarterbacks here. I think there's a lot of, obviously Jalen Hurts was tremendous last year. Dak Prescott, not so much. How do you compare and contrast Hurts and Prescott? We did this with Burrow and, and Herbert. Like, can you make a case? Would you try to make a case that the margin between the two is slim? Is it clear that Hurts is ahead of, of, of Prescott? What do you think? I actually think Dak is a better quarterback as of right now. I, I did a top 10 ranking for a podcast the other day. I had them 8-9, Dak 8, Hurts 9. Look, the interceptions last year were awful, of course, led the NFL. He has a bottom 10 interception rate in NFL history at less than 2%. So it's not really his MO. He just had a very bad year last year. There were like seven or eight of them that got tipped. His receivers outside of CeeDee Lamb were really not very good. Uh, the protection was a little bit shaky. There was a lot of offensive line juggling, whereas now it seems a little bit more set. Um, so I, I really can, that, that, that is a, not a concern of mine really with Dallas. I, I think Dak is going to play better football, take care of the football, all those things. It's yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too bullish, but, um, yeah, I think they're neck and neck. I think, look, he's not the athlete that Jalen hurts is that there's no doubt about that, but from a processing standpoint and throwing the football standpoint, and again, hurts has taken massive strides there. I'm not trying to, you know, diss him in any way, shape or form, but I would still take Dak. It's, it's definitely, I think, a worthwhile conversation. You know, Jalen Hurts last year, 85.9 PFF grade. That was fourth overall. He was 10th uh, the year before. Dak Prescott, just a 72 grade last year, but an 84 grade the year before uh, in, in 2021. So you can see some of the similarities in terms of how well they've performed. And you, this continues to be a really nuanced conversation with quarterbacks as, as far as how good the supporting cast is. The Eagles sporting cast and, and their schedule like was amazing. I think what's so interesting about these two quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, the, so their most attempted throw on the football field, and by the way, you can see this information in the PFF QB annual because we chart every single throw, every single route. We look at the accuracy and the ball placement of every single route. It's phenomenal information. The most common throw for both these quarterbacks is the horizontal lead throw. You can think about a crossing route where you're leading the quarterback or leading the receiver horizontally, an out route and in route. Um, Jalen Hurts ranked first in PFF grade on those throws. Dak Prescott ranked 31st on those throws, especially when you move further down the field, the, the stats got really, really ugly. And you look at the best quarterbacks in the league, they dominate on this throw, not surprisingly, right? There's a lot of big gainers to be had. There's a lot of common route concepts to be had here. Um, and so it's, it's not surprising. Joe Burrow also dominant. Mahomes also dominant here. Dak Prescott was terrible last year. Dak Prescott has been good in this regard every other year in his career. Something happened last year. Was it the protection? Was it the uh, receivers, right? He was, you know, kind of without strong receivers aside from CeeDee Lamb. Um, so I, I am with you there. And you look at from an accuracy standpoint as well, Dak was elite in terms of the on-target accurate throws that he made even last year. And that's something that's more sticky than the results of the actual throw, right? He had 65.5% of his throws were charted as accurate. That's on the receiver's frame or perfectly in stride. Three percentage points higher than Jalen Hurts with a worse 
kind of surrounding situation. So I think you you can make that claim from a passing standpoint. But here's where I don't think you can make that claim. And it's becoming an ever-increasing part of the game of football. And one that I would like to see Dak, ever since the injury, we really haven't seen this. Yeah. The fact that Hurts is such a dynamic athlete, the fact that they can convert every single third and fourth and one, the fact that they have that part of the game, even if Dak is a little bit better as a passer with the same supporting cast, the run game that Hurts has is more supporting cast agnostic. And I think that raises his floor. I think Dak needs to bring that into his game a little bit this year, um, to be perfectly honest with you. I agree. I agree. It's actually funny. You know, that we're going back to the McCarthy thing. Like, I think when he talks about, oh, like we have to establish the run and do some of these things, we're throwing too much, we're always trying to score, et cetera. Maybe they were facing the you know most too high and lightest boxes and all these things that probably worked against passing the ball. I think more than Tony Pollard and Zeke running the ball for two yards in a cloud of dust, it's Dak weaponizing his legs. Like, like you said, which was part of his game, again, not in the caliber of Jalen Hurts, but was part of his game before that gnarly ankle injury uh, when he took off and got hurt. So I agree. I think it's a big, big part of it. I'll, I'll pivot here. We've done a lot of t- t- Dallas. Our, our favorite word in these podcasts, fragility. For me, Philadelphia, you have two cornerbacks that are 30-plus, both phenomenal football players, both all pros last year, but nevertheless, older players. You don't really have a ton behind them. Yeah, you took Keely Ringo, whatever. Um Jason Kelsey, love the guy, 30-plus. You mentioned Lane Johnson, who will would play through an open-heart wound, but also older player, even talk retirement this offseason, um, how it's, you know, he know, it knows it's coming. So all those spots, those are key, important high-leverage players, but also Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Like, there are a lot of pieces to this team that I think you can pour, poke some more holes in. And again, if they stay healthy, they, they probably, you know, win, win the division again. But it's easier for me to do that nitpicking in Philly than it is for me to do in Dallas right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, and those things tend to be, you know, not necessarily the most stable things from year to year, right? If you have success from a fragility standpoint one year, I think we're just talking about it with the quarterback conversation, right? Those things we should assume kind of tend more towards the average, you know, lost a few players. I think the big question mark, Brad, for the, for the Eagles is how do they deal with the inevitable as you, you know, the inevitable fragility, especially though, with respect to, to Jalen Hurts, right? I think that's the, the big one. And I think he's positioned. I I, I believe he's positioned to, to handle it, right? But I think that you were just destined to see it, right, at some point here. Um, he's got such a good supporting cast from a receiving standpoint. And to me, as long as those guys stay around, right, as long as A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard are healthy, I think they can survive fragility across other parts of the uh, uh, of the team, even a Lane Johnson injury, right? I mean, yeah. you look at that, you can see this on pff.com as well. You look at the lineup for this team, Mylotta, 81.7 PFF grade, Dickerson, 15th out of 77 guards, 72 PFF grade, Jason Kelsey, 89.4, second out of all centers, Jurgen, 72.7, Lane Johnson, 84.8, better if you account for the types of situations he was put in, as Timo has pointed out many, many times uh, in his research, receiving core. And maybe even, you know, specifically to a AJ Brown, because, you know, otherwise they do have two other really strong receivers there. So I guess my question is, would you agree that if the receiving court, like what, to what degree can they sustain some of those inevitable 
challenges if the receiving core stays intact. No, I think you're right. I, I think it is a very good shout. You you think of Hurts the year before, and your last memory is that playoff game against Tampa where they literally could not move the ball an inch, no matter yeah. what they tried to do. And and I don't think it was entirely Hurts' fault. Honestly, I think he kind of made some plays and kept some plays alive, but guys just weren't getting separation. So I hear you. I do. I think that unit, if that unit stays intact and Hurts, of course, I, I think they can overcome a lot of other stuff. But I don't know. The secondary is interesting to me. Like if they lose Darius Slay and you're starting, you know, James Bradbury, let's just say Keely Ringo. It's probably some other young guy, Zach McPherson. Who knows? You have two safeties in Terrell Edmonds and I guess Reed Blankenship or some of the guys they've added in the recent draft class. What? Sidney Brown, their third rounder who are kind of question marks. You lose both of your starting linebackers. So you have um, uh, the dude, Nicobe Dean from Georgia and, uh, couple other guys like look maybe these guys step up and philly is just continuing to pump out good players but i think all of a sudden as good as a defensive line is if you have a shaky secondary i think things get kind of interesting especially like you said the last piece if there are pivotal games against the dallas cowboys and they can throw the ball all over all over the yard i think things get interesting yeah and, and a stat to kind of reference this and, and what hurts uh, how he's progressed his time to throw uh, season by season 3.4 seconds 2020 believe that led the league uh, 2021 3.2 seconds I think that was tied for the highest in the league average in the NFL about 2.77 he was at 2.86 last year that's kind of I think of like the 2.8s I really think about like the Aaron Rodgers territory right he's really good on quick throws but he also extends some plays and makes some plays there and I really think I'm not comparing Hertz to, to Rodgers um, but that's the maturity of Hertz's game. He was first in PFF passing grade on throws of between 2.1 and 2.5 seconds. That means that he is executing well in the quick game and those receivers are getting open, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, to me, that is a really, that that signals to me that with that receiving core, that offense can be really, really dynamic and it kind of doesn't matter what else is going on. And we talked about this with Joe Burrow, was kind of our thesis, uh, you know, last year during the playoffs. Yeah, the offensive line sucks, but his receivers are going to get open in one and a half seconds, and Joe Burrow is going to put it on him. And, you know, I, I think Hertz has certainly the accuracy and, and kind of the mind now to uh, to make that happen. Um, let's talk about the the other two teams, so the Giants uh, and the, the Commanders. Before we do, both the Giants and the Commanders have some, have some situations to be, maybe let's say, concerned about right and you don't want to be concerned rolling into your sunday you want to feel like the cowboys and the eagles you want to be able to sit back relax and watch your team play without you know uh worrying too too much that's why you need fabric by gerber life because when you're sitting on your couch on sunday you don't want to be worrying about the other crap in your life you want to focus on your team so it can be helpful especially if you have kids you have a family to get yourself a great term life insurance policy so that you can kick back relax and enjoy football the way it is meant to be done now the great thing about fabric by gerber life is it's an app it's like from the 21st century this is not like calling some random hotline and talking to someone and then sending you like 45 pages for you to read through super easy it takes under 10 minutes for you to go from start to covered that's amazing uh, and it's done with cutting edge technology all you have to do is go to m-e-e-t sorry m-e-e-t two e's fabric.com slash forecast that's m-e-e-t fabric.com slash forecast 
to sign up today and get started. Less than 10 minutes and you'll be in uh, in peace and tranquility, ready to watch your team dominate on Sunday. Okay, commanders and giants. Big difference in terms of what the betting markets think about these teams. Let's start with the Giants. I think if you told most people the Giants have an 11% implied probability to win the division, people would go, oh my God, they were good last year. Um, wh where do you fall on, on the Giants uh, going into this season? Are there betting opportunities, I guess, you know, that that intrigue you about, about the Giants? I'm curious where you stand on them. Yeah, I don't love them, but I actually do think their odds, you know, when you ask the opening question of whose price is most off, you probably could make an argument for them. It's a pretty it's a pretty solid price for the Giants. So I don't love them. They obviously, you know, Pythagorean win total, one score games, whatever, you know, uh, regressible metric you want to look at from last year. It, it impacted everything they did. But at the same time, I do think adding Darren Waller, adding Paris Campbell, uh, Jalen Hyatt, all these pieces – should have a better offensive line, should have a better defense. You have a lot of young players that just should play better and grow as well. Um, my, my angle of betting it, though, and, and we're pivoting now, but I kind of love the Saquon Barkley over rushing yards. It's a bet that Eric put on the website last year. That was a, a big winner. I think it was 950 yards last year. It's 1,050 this year. Look, they probably faced so many heavy boxes last year because no one thought they were going to throw the football. They had no receivers to throw to. You don't have a Darren Waller. You have a quarterback no one really respects at that point. I think now with Brian Dable, with all the pieces they have, that they probably will have some more favorable looks for Saquon Barkley. Of course, health is a huge piece of this, but they added Eric Gray, fifth rounder out of Oklahoma, even sixth rounder out of Oklahoma. And, you know, this is the other dirty part of the business. They signed him to a one-year contract. They're going to run him into the ground. I mean, they just are. They don't care about Saquon Barkley's 2024 health in any way, shape, or form. Sounded meter than I wanted to, but it's probably true. So, um, you know, I, I really do like that that prop. It's the one bet that kind of jumped out to me when I was looking at all the, the various Giants offerings. You know who had the uh, shortest average depth of the target last year? Probably Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Jones, my God, yeah. 6.4 yards downfield. Jeez. Alex, the second, basically. Now, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, it's probably not all on him because because that receiving core was was terrible. I get that they made some additions there. I don't know how how much I like am excited about those additions, to yeah. be perfectly honest with you. I mean, that that's the problem. It feels a little bit like, some of the, you know some of the teams trying to hang a banner for what they do in in free agency and you're like yeah I don't know I think you just kind of like overpaid for a lot of like decent players I think Darren Waller could be better than decent been injured a lot um the offensive line is a is a concern I mean is Evan Neal going to be better than the second worst tackle in the NFL next year their interior line doesn't have a guy graded over 60 um I guess Glowinski barely over 60 now Thomas just got an extension got the bag he's been fantastic third highest graded tackle last year um but man i mean paris campbell had a 60.8 pff grade uh, maybe maybe they you know figure something out darnay holmes got cooked in the slot last year um I, you know I, it's it's tough because i really feel that maybe everyone is wrong about the giants um but certainly the people that think the giants are as good as their record was last year i think are in for a bit of a rude awakening and I like Brian Dable, but um, I I'm kind of fading uh, this offense this year. I like the Barkley over for everything that you mentioned. It's only a hundred yards, you know, uh, and he's certainly going to be out there playing with, um, 
you know, trying to prove people. I think the the worry there would be, is he, when he gets injured, not going to play because he's trying to preserve himself? Like, is he going to play a lot less this year because he's trying to make sure he gets a second contract? That would be my concern with the Barkley bet. Yeah, that's fair. He was fourth in touches last year, both rushes and, and receptions. So it definitely a fair concern. But yeah, I think you kind of said what I said. Like, I think they're basically just going to have a lot of the one score wins become one score losses. So I do still like the game script setup where I think they're just going to be in a lot of close games. I don't like their secondary either, but their defensive front could be pretty gnarly. Um, but yeah, no, I'm certainly bearish on them overall. You couldn't talk me into a season win total or a division or anything like that. I, I was just trying to, you know, get get weird with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like it. And and I mean, I I think you could consider, I've considered it. I don't know that I want to like tie up actual investment in this, but I think fading a little bit of the like Daniel Jones is worth $40 million thing. I mean, you've talked about, can your team succeed once you've paid your quarterback? Well, at least the Chargers are paying a good quarterback. I mean, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Um I, I just, you know, I get that he was accurate last year. He was chucking the ball half a yard down the football field. So let's maybe pump the brakes uh, a little bit on that. Um, I'm more intrigued, I got to be honest with you, about the Washington Commanders. For one, they have receivers that I'm excited about. I think Terry McLaurin being slept on again and again. Dotson got a ton of target share last year. It was really, really good. I'm interested to see kind of how Howell uses those guys you know and, and whether he's going to target mclaurin uh mclaren at uh more of a, like a you know wide receiver one rate um but they're super interesting because they, they have a quarterback on a rookie contract people like towel um especially mike renner uh and i think the the league kind of fell on him a little bit he's got talent um and, and they've got you know some players on the defensive side of the ball I, weirdly i'm like i think the commanders might have a higher ceiling or as high a ceiling uh, as the Giants. I actually don't disagree with you at all. I mean, Bianami too, obviously we haven't seen him outside of Kansas City, but I think he could provide a small boost to that offense. I think he's going to use a ton of 12 personnel, a ton of running the quarterbacks, both Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett. He's going to find a way to get those receivers open. Also, just get them the ball in their hand. Like I think Curtis Samuel is going to go back to being kind of that Debo Samuel-like type of, not, not in the production, but in the usage and all those things. Like I think we are going to see creative. And then we say this all the time. It is true. Defensive results are predicated 90, not, not, I won't put a number on it. Defensive results are heavily influenced by the quarterbacks they play. That being said, I think this might be the best defense on paper in the entire NFL. I'll say it. Wow. Really? Over like the Dolphins and the Niners and... They're in that really? conversation. They're they're right up there. They were they were sixth in EPA per play allowed last year, and if you take out the first four weeks, they were I think second. Um, they had the lowest turnovers in the NFL last year, and were sixth in EPA per play allowed. Um, you look at a you break this down a million different ways. Judah put out his you know um what was it drive points metric I think is what I expected drive points. They were third in that metric, and again with the lowest amount of turnovers in the NFL. You add a first and second round defensive back, you lose no one. Oh, and you add these twenty twenty number two overall pick and Chase Young back into the fold. I think they could be ridiculous on defense this year. I was watching uh, quarterback the Netflix documentary. Maybe we'll have to, once I'm finished with that, we'll have to dig in because I have some takes. I've been, I've been slacking you and Judah. I've got some takes from this buddy. Like, wow. What an incredible documentary. The people that say it sucks are wrong. The people that say it's amazing are also wrong. 
Um, what it is, is interesting and funny. Okay. That's, that's what it is. But um, it was, uh, the, the, there was a shot of Chase Young on the sideline last year. And I just remembered there were two things that I thought of when I saw that. The first was like, oh yeah, Chase Young like didn't play a lot last year and didn't do much for that team. And remembered the hatred I got from saying that, um, that uh, they should, uh, I forget, the commanders uh, should yep. take to it. Were they the whole team at the time? Tua. Yeah, Tua or Herbert or whoever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They should take Tua or Herbert over Chase Young. And people thought I was crazy. I mean, they were so mad at me. Like, sorry, I apologize. Um, you're, 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 you're welcome. Oh, take that but, victory lap. Uh, you you yeah, take it because it, it's earned. <laughs> it, definitely. And I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because you basically like look at some of the, the top defensive ends. Like Bosa is a great example, right? So they, the Niners picked him second overall. He's been phenomenal. What they've had to, they, you need a like a Kyle Shanahan type guy to be able to win with a non like elite quarterback. And right. so if you, you know, like to make that work, you know, you've got to have that ecosystem. Um, but it's interesting. You mentioned Emmanuel Forbes, who they drafted four, four, three, five speed. Um, drafted, you know, 16 in the first round. I'm worried a little bit about the backside of that defense, um, but it, it's a good point. They could have a stronger defensive backfield. So, okay, are we making a case for the commanders? Because I think what you're saying is they are – how good does Sam Howell need to be for them to be better than the Giants? I mean, I don't think Daniel Jones is very good. So that's the thing. I don't think he has to be that good. I, you can get their alternate over, which is probably the bet I was going to say if we're, we're picking something here. Over eight and a half is plus 275 on DraftKings. I, like you said, I think the, the, you put it best. Their ceiling, I think, is higher than the New York Giants in 2023. If somehow, let's say he throws for 3,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, I think this is a team that wins eight or nine games. I think so too. And I, you're right. Like, I don't think Daniel Jones is very good. Here's the thing. Sam Howell just needs to be like better in a vacuum is actually the wrong thing. Right. Cause Daniel Jones making $40 million. Okay. Sam Howell just needs to be better from a, you know, value perspective. I'm very confident that Sam Howell is going to be better from a value perspective, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> in terms of contribution per dollar spent. Than, than Daniel Jones is next year. And I feel like that's a miss, uh, a miss in the way that people evaluate these teams, right? They kind of think about, because I think most fan bases, most betters, probably most books, to be honest with you, don't think about the ramifications kind of down the roster. And you know this better than I do, right? So like, it doesn't, it might not manifest itself looking at the at the top players on the team right away. But it has to manifest itself with the depth of the team, um, you know, and, and further down the roster and the ability to handle some of the fragility that comes your way. The how screwed are the Giants if, like, you know, Darren Waller gets hurt and Paris Campbell sucks again? Hey, you're throwing to yeah, I mean, Wandale and Sterling Shepard off of torn ACLs. Like, it's just it gets it gets tough. <laughs> it gets tough, right? I mean, the the Commanders. Have two. I really like Dotson. I think yeah, Jahan Dotson is really good, yeah. and and I, you know I think that duo that might be 
that might be like the most underrated duo. We always talk about, you know, Higgins and Chase and, you know, maybe Addison and, and Jefferson are going to be really good this year. And, you know, you've got like Debo and Iuke and I'm sure, you know, you got CD and, and Cooks. you got a lot of good duos out there. I think McLaurin and Dotson could be, you know, at the end of this year, talked about right up there. McLaurin had a uh, scary Terry had an off year last year with an 80 PFF grade. You know, I think people kind of miss, uh, you know, missed him last year but still graded, um, you know, really consistently is always on the field. So you talk about consistency, like Terry McLaurin is out there. Um, you have, uh, we didn't even talk about um, uh, Curtis Samuel, who's been a, a kind of, you know, Ginsu knife type of piece uh, for them. Um, and, and I like their tight end too. Like Logan Thomas yeah. can't stay on the field. But Logan, like, what's the, the difference between Logan Thomas and Darren Waller is that Darren Waller is getting paid eight times as much, okay? Like, I hate to be, maybe that's being a little ridiculous. He's a, he's a little bit of a stretch, I'll be honest. A little bit of a stretch. It's a little bit of a stretch, okay? A little bit of a stretch. And I, I grant that. But I think that the perceived difference is larger than the actual difference is really what I'm trying to say, Brad. So what I'm talking yeah. myself to, I, I love your bet on the commanders all over i'm going to get that one down here today and then you mentioned this at the top of the podcast before we started recording judah's not here with us he can't handle the giants rhetoric as you would expect here based on what we just talked about but he does have a really great bet for our commies which is we looked it up sam howell to lead the league in passing yards this year is 100 to 1 okay we know judah loves those tail bets but i think we just made a really interesting case for why that's not, you know, the moat. Now he'll probably come out and be Malik Willis 2.0, but he's got passing options there. The other thing that I would point out is Antonio Gibson is just garbage. That's, that's rude. Antonio Gibson is frustrating because of how talented he is, but how little he seems to produce as a runner. Okay. Let me, let me qualify this. Yeah, I'm coming yeah. back from my take where he is best is as a receiver. Like, yeah, put him out there. Let him let him move in in space. I think where he struggles most, honestly, and Eric has pointed this this out a bunch. He struggles most like following the blocking scheme. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, like I think he did the least with perfectly blocked runs of any player uh, in the NFL last year, um, which is kind of a comedy. So you talked about this, like the big kind of challenge. You mentioned that their defense is great. If Ron Rivera likes to run the ball, it could really hinder Howell. I think this, the you know, flip side of that would be they can't run the ball because Antonio Gibson isn't great in that regard. Their offensive line, not necessarily fantastic. And the strength of their team is their receiving core. So why not leverage it? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the enemy is going to bring, I think, to a degree, some positionless football to the equation. I think that was not an accident in Kansas City where they have these just athletes that do different things. He's also a former running back and running backs coach. If Antonio Gibson is not following blocks, he's not going to get carries. Um, Yeah. Let, let him let him throw, you know, run out of the slot or even you know, he was a receiver in college do a lot of different things. I loved when Curtis Samuel was basically, you know, a wide back in Carolina for a little bit. I think we're going to see just a lot of that. And, and even if it's just, look, Kansas City last year, you know, their yards after the catch was insane. Like, Mahomes is still Mahomes, not taking away from that. But his average at the target, you know, you go look at the QB annual, was pretty darn low. And 
they were able to just scheme up so much. And obviously, defenses respected them. But Howell has the arm strength to, if he's good, have defenses start respecting Terry McLaurin and Jahad Dotson downfield. I think you could see, you know, the enemy scheme a lot of stuff underneath that gets a lot of yards after the catch. Like, it's not, yeah, obviously, we're talking about a tail outcome, but it's not that hard to talk ourselves into it uh, as the more we go through it. Yeah, I'm I'm sold. All right, let's close out here with um, a wrap. We didn't talk ton on on Eagles and and Cowboys bets, so we'll wrap that up with a few there. Um, but before we do, um, it's that time of the week again for all of you men. So we record this on a Wednesday evening, Thursday. Thursday, I would argue, Brad is one of the most underrated night out nights to go out. Let's let's power rank real quick. Nights to go out. Okay. Um, I'll let, I mean, I've already started, so I guess I'll go. I think Thursday is number one. Here's real. Here's, here's why Thursday is number one. Okay. And I've got some stupid car beeping outside. So I don't know if you can hear that, but Thursday is number one because it's a bonus weekend night. Okay. Especially, especially in the summer when people don't work nearly as hard on Fridays. A lot of people are on vacation. Thursday is a bonus weekend night. You don't expect a lot out of Thursday because it's Thursday. But here's the thing. Everyone that goes out on Thursday, is it's the first weekend night. So you have the most energy, but the expectations are low. So everyone's just so stoked when it's, when it's better than expected. Friday, you over plan it. You try and do too much. You try and cram in a dinner before if you overspend, you have all these expectations and guess what? You get let down. Okay. Saturday, I'm going to put Saturday. I think Saturday is actually behind another weekday. I'll be honest with you because Saturday, here's the thing about Saturday. You go out and party hard on Saturday, your Sunday's cooked. And then you feel like garbage going into the week. I think Saturday is an underrated. Don't go out night. And this is going all the way back to my college years. Tuesday is an elite go out night as well. Similar, similar concept to Thursday. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing about Tuesday. You can go do those things that like you can go to a dive bar and sing karaoke on a Tuesday night with a small group of people. And you guys feel like like the coolest people on earth because no one else is going out. You go do those kind of weird and funky things with a smaller group and just have a blast. So those are my official rankings. It goes Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Sat Saturday for me. That was that was an all timer right there. Uh, shout out! I'll turn <laughs> off like half our listeners. Shout out Newsdays. I was also a big Tuesday guy. That was our uh, that was our fraternity's uh, weekday night on on Tuesdays. There so, we go. I'm with you on that one. The Thursday shout. The, the analogy that I think I just pulled from that w- with like the vibes being so high because everyone's just grateful to be out there. It reminds me of a cold weather city when the warm weather hits and you're just mm. like so happy to be out in good weather. That's kind of the Thursday night vibe. So I actually agree with you. I might even put Thursday in the one slot as well. Set, it doesn't really. I guess we're talking about nights only. My favorite day, day drinking Saturday is my Ooh. favorite because then you just you basically get hung over like eight p.m. Saturday night, and then you wake yeah. up feeling good Sunday morning. Um, but yeah, I trust me. I, I, I that, that was not a controversial you know rant from you. I, I'm with you. Fridays and Saturdays, it's just it, it can be too much sometimes. Where would you put Saturday? I think you've come up you've introduced something that I completely forgot, which is unfortunate because I love nothing more than a day spent at stadium swim. Um, 
Friday or Saturday is elite, to be honest with you there. Where would you put the Saturday day? Like, I think that that's a, that's my that's one, one. That's Saturday, one. Saturday day, Saturday from noon, from 11 to 6 PM is my like prime, you know, imbibing slot of the week. That is, and you have so much flexibility there. You can, you can do it on a golf course. You can do it yep. at the pool brunch. Um, I've had this take for a very long time. If you go to Vegas, you want to avoid spending money on clubs at night and you want to invest your capital in the day. And I, I could do a whole podcast on this, so I won't. <laughs> but if you want to know the proper Vegas plan, like I, I you know, going to school in, in LA, I feel like I went so freaking much. I've got some experience there. Um, and the day is the key. Because at night, you can have a lot of fun at night without spending an absurd amount of money. You can't do that during the day at Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yeah. laughs> like you need, you, you can't do that. Okay. So, um, so that's the key. And, and the, the, the beach clubs or the pool clubs are, are the best. So I, I like that. I think you've got a compelling point. I'm thinking of reordering. Anyways, this was all to say that the weekend is coming. And so you need to get yourself in shape with Manscaped. Smooth sack summer, baby. Um, the, the idea here is this. The more hair on your body, the more that you know. The warmer you get, the more you sweat, the more you stink, um, and the less clean that you look. The place where we support hair is well-groomed facial hair, as you know from Brad and I. And the cool thing about Manscaped is they now have, in addition to their Lawnmower 4.0, which takes care of the hair below there, they also have a new facial kit that even if you have like a beard, it's got all this great stuff for that. You just do kind of normal stuff like Brad and I, they've got a fantastic clipper that has an adjustable um, uh, razor. So you don't have to plug in a bunch of different uh, heads to the razor to get it to the right uh, size that you want. And if you take it all the way off, it, it cuts you nice and close so you can trim around uh, as well. Highly recommend use promo code PFF 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. I think I've talked about this a million times with this product. I use both of them. Um, they're both fantastic. They travel super well, great battery life, high quality product. It improves every single time you get a new one. So um, highly recommend promo code is PFF. That Brad has to be the best and worst transition into a Manscaped creep because we turned it into like a five minute segment where everyone just turned the podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> the bets we place right now, they could, they could win you a million dollars and no yeah. one will tell them, but they, hopefully they're good. <laughs> no one will know. No one will know. Okay. Um, I'll start, start with your end. Anything on the uh, particularly Eagles or Cowboys side that we missed? Yeah, so it's Cowboys again, and and I think maybe even more so, not maybe, more so than the division bet I just mentioned, you can get their over 11.5 at plus 205. They hit this last year, when and they didn't win the division, right? And you had Dak Prescott miss five games. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of the issues, so I won't even ramble on there. I love that price. They could, they could lose the division again and still hit that number. Seriously. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> you get better um... – you, know, you get better odds than you get to win the division. I think that is definitely the bet. Um, definitely the bet for them. Um, I, I'll stay on the uh, the the Cowboys train here. We've talked about this player a lot, okay? And there are a couple of different ways that you can bet this player. I think the Dak Prescott has a transcendent year. Look, it's going to be tough to compete with some of the quarterbacks that are out there. 
but he's got a very talented receiver that now is not going to have quite as much attention on him. And that is CD lamb. CD lamb. I've, I've had this take before. He is graded incredibly well, especially when he plays in the slot. He's the guy that I, even though he's a cowboy, I feel like is underrated. Like I think he should be in that class in that top class. And he's not in many people's yeah. minds, he's 35 to one to win offensive player of the year. Um, he is, let me find this here, uh, league leaders in receiving yards. What is he currently? He is, he was super, yeah, he's only, he's 22 to, to, to one right now to lead the league in receiving yards. I kind of like shooting for the moon a little bit, especially because the narrative will quickly tra- transition to a cowboy a player. They have a good year and win the division, right? People are going to be on them all the time. They're going to play a ton of primetime games. And Brandon Cooks, is not cooked by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. Michael Gallup was hurt last year. So, the, you know, he's going to take the, the top off the defense to use a, a phrase there. That's going to, I think, really help CD Lamb. And here's the thing. If you think that Dak Prescott's not going to be zeroed in on CD Lamb, you are incorrect. That dude has, you know, loves CD Lamb, targets him left, right, and center. So um, I really like that as a, as a tail outcome. Love your over bet as well. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100%. We're, we're a CD pod all the way through. Always, always. Um, any others that we missed? I would just say if you want to force a bet on the Eagles, um, I'm trying to figure out how to play these running backs. I think their numbers are interesting. You mentioned up over on sweat a couple months ago, which I did agree with. I think the counter mm-hmm. to that would probably be, look, I love Rashad Penny. We've all seen the graphs where as long as you take down the minimum carries limit uh, down to zero, because that's the only way he qualifies. He averages, you know, six yards a carry, all that. 600 yards. He's already hurt right now, it sounds like. Um, and I just think it's going to be a total committee. And the big thing, too, is a, a lion's share of his carries are on early downs. They're going to pass the ball on early downs. You're going to get some Jalen Hurts running as well. I'm just not sure he gets enough touches to get to 600 rushing yards. It's a scary bet because he's been very efficient, but... He signed a minimum contract a day into free agency for a reason. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, following the signal there. Yeah, I, I agree with you there too. I mean, just like staying healthy. Um, I, yeah. I totally agree. I, I've already talked about that one. I'm glad you brought it back up. Um, I think it's hard to bet the Eagles unless you're going to bet some unders and, and kind of uh, fade them a little bit. Um, but that's a, a tricky proposition as well. So I really like those tail outcomes for the other teams. I think if there's an offense or a, a team that you fade, I really think it's it's more the Giants. Um, I like the Giants potentially as an alt under um, as well. Uh, let me kind of give you the, the prices here for the Giants, which is great podcasting. Um, their current line is seven and a half. That's right. So you could go under five and a half uh, and get plus 270 there. I think that's that's interesting. People love what Dable has done. I love what Dable's done. I think it's going to be really hard to win with Daniel Jones making 40 million a year. So um you know, I think that as we talk about, there's a legit path for them to be the worst team in this division in a good division. So um, that's kind of the play I like on uh, on Judah's Giants. All right. Great podcast. A lot, lot was covered here today, including a power ranking of the times to go out and party. Did not expect that, but you got it anyways. That's why you love the podcast. I probably should have mentioned this at the top because I normally do, but I did not. For the three of you that are still listening, if you're not a member of the Discord, I don't know how that would be the case, but make sure you go join it. The printing press discord, the link is in the description and the tweets we tweet out, um, especially with football season coming. You will not be disappointed. 
All right. That was it. That was our podcast. We'll be back with you on Sunday. Brad, peace.